0: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
1: I'm still learning things. My entire team is still learning things on every deal that we do to this day. And I think that's just the nature of the business. And if you're afraid of making mistakes, then you're never going to succeed.
2: Welcome to the
1: Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever
2: with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed. And today we are joined by Jeff Kudlats. He's joining us from Kansas City, Missouri. He's a managing partner at Pacific Sands Funds. They are a syndicator of value add multifamily deals. Their current portfolio consists of 700 units across four states. Jeff, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on?
1: Yeah, I appreciate the introduction. So, my background grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. And I graduated college at University of Missouri. And then I went on to become a nuclear missile operator in the Air Force. And it's actually there in the Air Force where I learned about real estate investing. And I spent all of my time and effort after the service, after I got out into diving headfirst into real estate investing, learning about everything. I ended up buying a building, I syndicated it with some family members, and then I met my now business partners about eight years ago and 700 units later, now I'm sitting here talking to you.
2: You make it sound like it just kind of happened all of a sudden. You know, in the blink
1: of an eye, that's just kind of life right now. And it just happened so quick and we just scaled super fast. And looking back at it now, it was a long time and we went through a lot of things to get to the point that we're at today. But it wasn't without its struggles, its failures, but we ended up coming out on top.
2: Let's talk about that, Jeff. So your introduction to real estate investing was through syndicated multifamily. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Gotcha. And when did you first become involved?
1: As I was saying earlier, I learned about real estate investing in the Air Force as a nuclear missile operator. I spent my entire career about 100 feet underground, and I was not destined for real estate at all. But I picked up a book off a recommendation of a friend, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure you and all your listeners have heard it and read it many times. And it was just a complete mindset shift and really changed the trajectory of my life from that point on. So once I got out of the military and I was able to dedicate all my time and resources I did a local family syndication and bought two apartment buildings. It was a six unit and a 12 unit in a neighborhood that you did not want to go because really that was the only way that I was able to get my feet wet and get started. And again, when was this? This was 2017. Gotcha. I ended up syndicating it with some family members. I went to every family member that I knew and asked them for money. I heard no after no after no, because I didn't have the experience. And why would somebody trust me? I don't know anything about real estate. So I ended up getting a few family members to commit the money. And we ended up syndicating the deal of the two apartment buildings. And I did literally everything wrong. I bought in a neighborhood that wasn't great. The front common area deck was falling off the place. There was a lot of deferred maintenance, but we ended up buying on a value-add strategy to where we go in, we renovate the units, and we increase the rents. And there was a certain point when I was syndicating this that I was just committed and I was going to do everything I had to do to keep this career path alive. I was down to literally last $1,000 in my bank account because... I had to float the mortgage when the properties were not cash flowing. I had to come out of pocket just to save face with my investors and not go back to them. My family members who I have to see around the holidays. And they're probably hearing this for the first time, actually, if they listen to this podcast. But it ended up all working out because then on the sale of those buildings, I met my now business partners and we had some great synergies together. We really had very like business minds and it just kind of clicked and that was about eight years ago.
2: You know, hindsight is 2020 20, and it's only now that we can really talk about the market of 2017, 18, 19. Speaking from my own experience, Greg, man, was it a good time to make mistakes in real estate? <laughs> I made plenty of mistakes myself during that time period. We were fortunate to see that property values and rent rates continue to rise. I'm based in Cincinnati, Ohio it seems random to me maybe it's a football thing with pat mahomes and joe burrow but for some reason people love comparing the kansas city market to the cincinnati market of course being ingrained in one of them i see all the differences first but i got started in 2014 and i was very fortunate i screwed up my first bird deal all over 2017 and i was lucky Because rents kept going up. I was in a good location, fortunately, unlike where it sounds like you were. But every time I messed up, my property values just increased to cover my mistakes.
1: Yeah, I think I was also, to your point, my mistakes got just corrected by the market. And I think just the natural valuations in the area went up just due to the local market. And I was able to basically inflate my way out of the mistakes that I had made again, hindsight being 2020, I learned from all of those and I applied them moving forward to the next deal and the next deal and the next deal after that. But everybody's got to start somewhere. Everybody's got to get their feet wet. If you worry about being perfect on at least your first deal, you're never going to get started because I'm still learning things. My entire team is still learning things on every deal that we do to this day. And I think that's just the nature of the business. And if you're afraid of making mistakes, then you're never going to succeed.
2: Jeff, tell me if you resonate with this. There are a lot of spreadsheets out there that look perfect when you're first analyzing a deal, when you're newer to real estate. And the people who are driving for the perfect spreadsheet often end up in the really rough neighborhoods. And the reason why their spreadsheet looked so good is because it was so far flung from the reality on the ground. I know there are some corollaries between what I just said and what you shared about your own story. I've had some newer investors reach out to me about my company's services in Cincinnati on very similar terms. They're only buying the properties that spreadsheet out based on their really aggressive return projections, and it's putting them in neighborhoods where they don't realize the kinds of issues that they're going to run into. Listeners, if that's you, please consult a local professional. You can call me if it's Cincinnati, but please make sure you're consulting local experts and taking their advice and their opinions when it comes to the properties that you're considering. So Jeff, after that, it sounds like you met your partners through that deal and it was full speed ahead into apartment syndication. How big was the next deal for you?
1: The next deal right after that was about six months later. It was kind of a trial run. We just first started quote unquote dating each other we just wanted to see if the business relationship really worked out and the first deal was 21 units after that and then about six months later we bought another 20 units and then about six months later after that we bought 42. and that was friends and family local syndications but once we got up to the bigger deals to the 100 plus unit deals that's when we really increased our investor base And we were able to raise outside capital to where it's family offices, it's institutional money, and we're bringing in the bigger players and not really going for the lower unit count assets. It's more of the flight to higher quality and higher unit count.
2: Jeff, what is the expertise that you bring to your partnership?
1: I am the operational boots on the ground. So my strong suit is construction management and project management to where I oversee all the contractors. I oversee all of the third party managers to make sure that everything is staying on budget, on timeline, because really in this business, time is money. And if you let a unit sit too long or the renovation goes over budget, you're going to lose out on lease up. You're going to lose out on lost rent, and then you're going to overpay for the project itself. So what I do is really hone in all those things to make sure that the machine is running as efficiently as possible.
2: Do you handle property management in-house or is that third party? It's
1: all third party right now, but we're at the tipping point to where we are having internal discussions on whether or not it makes sense, both financially and from a mental standpoint, to add a property management arm Because let's just be honest, whenever you hire a property manager, they don't do everything perfect the way that you want it. And that's just kind of the trade-off that we've had to really take in. Now we're realizing that and those discussions are starting to happen on whether or not it makes sense to bring it in-house.
2: Jeff, I'm seeing a couple of ways that I'd like to have this conversation go. I have a narrative in my head that I want to clarify with you first. I'm going to make a bunch of assumptions and you tell me which ones are wrong so that I have a good idea of where you and your partners were coming from. Again, I'm just assuming all of this. You told me before the interview started that your team also has offices in LA. Being in a similar Midwestern market that attracts a lot of West Coast attention and West Coast money, the place my head went immediately, Jeff, was that you sold to out of town buyers who figured out that you were a trustworthy, responsible and capable local operator of multifamily. And while they were in a position where they could bring West Coast capital to deals, they needed call it Midwestern returns. And here you were in the Midwest, able to help them deliver on those returns as a boots on the ground guy who knew his market, knew how to project manage, get stuff done, get results. And that marriage of the two, your local expertise and your professional expertise of project management and their ability to capital raise, underwrite, understand returns is part of what formed your partnership.
1: You might want to go buy a lottery ticket because that is exactly how it happened. Going back to the first building that I ever bought, they, my now business partners, were the ones who were looking at buying it, but they saw what I bought it for and they saw what I'm trying to sell it for. And they were like, I want to be that guy. I want to be him on the buy side. And the broker, he introduced us. And again, we had some really good synergies. We all had similar business goals in mind and it was just a fit. And I think when you go into business with somebody, it, it has to be a fit, at least on paper with your personalities and everything. And then you give it a, a trial run. And we did. And here we are almost eight years later.
2: Jeff, the reason why I was so spot on there is because I am the Jeff lots of Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I'm the, I've always managed my own stuff, local operator expert. Uh, I run the local best ever meetup here, host the podcast. There are people who know who I am and there are out of town investors who are interested in partnering with me to bring that credibility and operational experience and expertise also not to be understated and jeff you didn't mention this but i'm sure this came into play having a local operator in the ownership group probably led to more favorable financing terms for your partners didn't it
1: it did most of our lenders were local and continued to be local in the market that we operate
2: so my assumptions were good (laughs) because I'm in a fairly similar situation, all things considered, Jeff. I want to come back to that. Before we come back to that, Jeff, I want to ask, transitioning into a career of multifamily operations, raising your own money yourself, figuring it all out yourself. I can even relate to the paying bills out of pocket, not a lot of money in the bank account part. I too am glad that that's over though. What would you say are the steepest learning curves that you had to climb getting into multifamily operations? Whether or not you knew that you didn't know what you needed to know going in, what are the things that you had to figure out the fastest or figure out the soonest within multifamily operations in order to gain success? I think what I really had to figure out
1: was getting it done any means possible. In real estate, you deal with a ton of vendors, you deal with contractors, a lot of personalities in the entire situation. And if one personality doesn't work out or a contractor flakes out on you or they steal money from you, it can derail the entire project if you let it. But I think what I had to figure out is being resilient and getting the end goal accomplished no matter what. I always like to say somebody who never quits will never fail. If you just keep working at it and you keep trying, you keep showing up every day, you will never fail. And I just had this mentality of I'm burning the ships. I hate my job where I'm at right now. There is no turning back. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it done.
2: Yeah, we're in 100% agreement there.
0: We'll get back to the show. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you looking to raise money from private investors to buy commercial real estate? Syndicationattorneys.com is here to guide you every step of the way. At syndicationattorneys.com, they do more so you can do more. They create real estate syndication and fund offering documents, but they also educate you on the ins and outs of raising private money, ensure your offerings comply with security laws, and help you structure fair deals with investors so everybody wins. With reasonable lump sum fees and over $2.75 billion in security offerings created, syndicationattorneys.com has the expertise you need. But that's not all. Syndicationattorneys.com also offers weekly attorney-led masterminds, networking, and strategy sessions through their pre-syndication consulting agreements. To learn more, visit syndicationattorneys.com today to get started. And this offer is not available to Florida residents.
2: I used to think I was clever for saying, knock down nine times, get up 10 times. And then I learned it was actually an ancient Chinese proverb. It has nothing to do with me. But 100%, with regards to the mindset of an operator, especially an operator who's taking on partners and taking on other people's money, There comes a point, and a lot of operators have experienced this the last couple of years, if we're being honest with ourselves, there comes a point where we just have to figure out what it's going to take to deliver on promises that we've made. So I love that the first thing you come to is a resilient mindset. Tactically speaking, when it comes to the blocking and tackling nuts and bolts of multifamily operations, is there anything that caught you by surprise or anything that you struggled with at first that you had to learn how to improve on? One thing that I really struggled with
1: at first was this was a management project that I had really never taken on before in my professional career. And I just really had to learn. I had to see it from both the 30,000 foot view, but I also had to be right there in the project every day. I had to see The big picture and the small picture all at the same time to not only get it accomplished day to day, but I also had to move the project closer to the goal overall. And I think one of the things that really took a while to get comfortable with was the learning curve on how to juggle both of those aspects, because you're either good at seeing a micro view of the project, or you're good at seeing the macro view of the project and doing everything on my own, figuring it out on my own as I went. I always use the analogy of build the parachute on the way down. I'm jumping out of the plane. I'll figure it out.
2: That's easy for a submarine guy to say, sorry. Oh no,
1: it was in the ground. This wasn't in the water.
2: Gotcha. But
1: again, yeah, building the parachute on the way down. I just had to learn everything as I went, that was the biggest learning curve was honing in both of those viewpoints to make the project run as efficiently as I could.
2: What were some of the mistakes you made along the way? Well, I said area. I
1: probably could have thrown a rock at a couple different crack houses.
2: Jeff, sorry, I need to clarify my question. Let's start with the assumption that we're talking about the good deals that you bought. You bought right. With the properties that you've bought with your partners, after buying the right deal, what are the mistakes that you've gone through that give our listeners and me the opportunity to learn from? I would say overspending
1: on projects Overspending in the wrong areas was one of the mistakes that we really had to figure out. This is commercial real estate. It's multifamily real estate, and these units are going to be for rent. You're not actually living there. So that was one of the things that we had to hone back on our scope of work was the level of finishes. It was just spending more in an area that we wouldn't get back in terms of a net operating income and putting it somewhere else. So that was one of the things that we really had to learn first starting out that would have made a bigger impact.
2: Gotcha. Was that because you were targeting rents that were higher than what was possible for the area? Or is it because you were over improving in order to get the rents that you were projecting?
1: I think it was a combination of both. Yes, we also learned that we overshot on our rent projections because we had seen rents like this for uh, the past decade. And we just thought everything was going to continue. They did modestly, but not at the rates that we were underwriting. So I think as we underwrote more deals, we purchased more deals, we got smarter on rent increases, and we were able to have a more conservative mindset on how much we could actually charge for rents
2: post-renovation. That makes a lot of sense. Jeff, before we transition to the last segment of this, episode. Every once in a while on this podcast, I wouldn't say that I disregard the perspective of our best ever listeners, but I ask questions for myself to see what advice you can give me. And I just bring our listeners along for the ride. So the majority of our listeners are not in your or my position where they are local experts and multifamily in their market. That said, I think it will be beneficial for them to hear your answers to this question. I want you to give me advice directly, not deal specific, but when it comes to partnerships, when you were approached by people you didn't know before that transaction, selling them your six and 12 units for a possible partnership. And that partnership has bore fruit thus far. I know before the interview, you said you're getting ready to go full cycle on some of those deals that you guys first acquired together. What advice do you have for me as the local operator expert when it comes to considering partnerships with non-local investors who have the advantages of high value, high net worth markets? and the networks that come with them, but are looking at a place like Kansas City or Cincinnati for the returns that are possible and need someone like me to make sure that their deals go right. What advice do you have for me?
1: I would say the best piece of advice that I can give you and your listeners on potential partnerships is that you have to have synergies. You are going to communicate multiple times a day Especially in the beginning, if not throughout your entire business partnership. Having a business partner is very similar to like a marriage. It has to work, otherwise, it's not going to work. And I think you can't let the idea of having a high net worth or somebody who has money blind the fact that you still have to communicate with these people daily. You have to interact with these people daily, your potential business partners. And if it's not a good fit, the money's not going to matter. You can find money anywhere, but you cannot find a good partnership anywhere. They are few and far between. So you just have to know that it's going to be a good fit. And you can't be blinded by the fact that somebody's got some dollars that you
2: don't have. That makes a lot of sense. What is it that created the synergy with you and your partners?
1: Well, we all had similar business goals in mind. We all wanted to grow and scale a commercial multifamily real estate portfolio. We all had previous experience, so to speak. Mine was a little bit more limited than theirs, but we just had personalities that clicked. Our first couple meetings, we were joking, we're having good conversations. We had past family experiences that were very similar. And that just all together meshed well with each other and it felt like a very good fit it felt like it was going to be not only profitable but a synergistic partnership and you just have to trust your gut and if something doesn't feel right it's probably not going to fit you're probably right even though nothing has slapped you in the face that says don't do this but i think the best point that i can say it just has to feel right
2: that makes a lot of sense jeff are you ready for the best ever lightning round
1: All right, let's do it.
2: What is the best ever book you recently read?
1: Recently read is buy back your time by Dan Martell. I'm really trying to take myself out of the smaller points of the business. And that book has really given me finite points on exactly how to do that.
2: Yeah, totally. I've read it. And as someone who has gone from the six foot view to the 3000 foot view, to the 30,000 foot view, I absolutely agree. What is your best ever way to give back? Well, in multifamily
1: real estate, one of the unfortunate situations is that we have to evict people, the non-payers or squatters or something. So the best way that we can give back is that anything that's inside of the unit that is usable, we donate it. If it's clothes, if it's furniture, if it's used appliances, if we're going in and renovating units and we're changing out white to stainless steel and the white appliances are fine, we're going to go ahead and donate it because if not, it's just going to get trashed and we would rather give it to somebody in need.
2: I've already asked a version of this question, Jeff. I want a specific story now on the deals that you have acquired. And let's stick with the deals that you currently own, the 700 units in your partnership, what is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it?
1: Biggest mistake we made was buying a building that was outside of our core. We bought a nine story high rise built in the 1930s, high unit count in Kansas. And we have had to have a very steep learning curve when it comes to high rise buildings, because our bread and butter has been suburban walk up three story max properties. And this was just outside of our operationally know how realm. And what is your best ever advice? Stick with what you know. And if you're going to buy something that's outside of your purview, make sure it's on a smaller scale and you're doing it with your own
2: money and not your investors money. That's great. Last question. Where can people get in touch with you?
1: I'm all over social media. It's Jeffrey dollars G E O F F R E Y and then dollars. I'm on all the platforms. Instagram is where I'm most active and YouTube.
2: Those links are in the show notes. Jeff, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to with our conversation today. Thank you and have a best ever day.
0: Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content?